Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Father, fill us with your words. Explain them to the us. Put them in our heart. And let us know that you are God and that your way is the only way. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Uh, I think that the book of Galatians is the only letter that Paul wrote that's part of the Bible. I think that there are other letters that he wrote, and so we don't really know. But in biblical letters, it's the only one that he wrote where he did not commend the church for something. His style was one of affirmation in the beginning, and then deal with struggles or problems or just you know, personal insights, whatever the purpose of the letter was. Even the book of 1 Corinthians, and if you've read that recently, you would know that the Corinthians had almost everything wrong except their faith. And so he commended them for their faith. Faith had become their story and they were sticking to it. Meanwhile, it was a place of decadence. It was the crossroads of business and trade, and it also was the crossroads of idolatry and decadence and all kinds of evil. And, you know, I don't know if you remember. I remember when I was saved, my heart was changed, but there was a whole lot about me that hadn't changed yet. And here I am 50 years later, and there's still a whole lot more that hasn't changed yet. You see, God has a lot of patience for who we are. And he's working in our lives to do these things called sanctification to change us. But we got to get the faith right. Faith by grace through faith, and not of works, just as Wayne read earlier. Reading through Corinthians, we find that they had maybe very little right other than their faith. Paul writes here in, in verse 6 that he is astonished. The word, it means it, it's a very strong word that means shocked, taken aback. He is shocked that they are so quickly deserting the one who called them in the faith of Christ, in the grace of Christ. That word quickly there, it carries the idea of at once, like right now, right away, 
a total turn. And deserting, it means removing yourself. It's what they call a middle verb, where it's something that you're doing to or for yourself. So when I got dressed this morning, I put my shoes on and the, on me, and they, that's a middle verb. And that's what this is. They were removing themselves from Christ. This is really strong language. The one that he had, that he had Paul had just been there, sharing the gospel. You know, scholars are a little mixed on this. He went there twice. Was this after the first time? After the second time? We don't know. But we do know this, that when he left there, they had it. They were believing in Jesus, and people were coming to them day by day in faith. And then there were these false teachers who followed him. And they were attacking Paul himself denying that he was an apostle and refuting his gospel. False teachers. I think Paul actually calls them false brothers, pretenders. Scholars today call them the Judaizers. They're trying to make Jews out of pagans who had become Christians. Did you follow that? So they're Christians and they're trying to, and they were saved out of incredible things, terrible things sometimes. And yet, these others are following after Paul. Nope, he's got it all wrong. He used to be a Jew and now he's not. And you have to be a Jew first. You have to be circumcised. You have to follow all the laws, the dietary laws. These are things that are just totally, completely foreign to people from that region. Many of them were polytheists, pagans, idolaters. And just imagine the freedom that they had now. Christ has invaded their hearts. They are living in the Spirit. Yeah, they're getting stuff wrong. Perhaps not as wrong as Corinth, but their stuff is not. And they need to grow, just like I do after 50 years just like you do after however long it's been. And all of a sudden, these guys are coming in and saying, yep, not enough. You, all the men, have to be circumcised. Ow. Not now. And God never said that. Yes, for the Jews, that was true. Someday we'll have a conversation about why that was, but I'm not going to do it now. And then all of the other laws, the rituals, the, the ceremonial washings and all that kind of stuff. I mean, who even has time for that? And honestly, if we really dug into the Pharisees, we'd find out they weren't really doing it either. Not the way God had commanded. Their whole purpose was to drag them into the law of Moses and apparently the Galatians were following. Turning to a different gospel, he wrote, well, there is no different gospel. There is only one gospel, the one that we just talked about, salvation by grace, through faith, in Jesus alone. 
nothing else. A long time ago in my former career, a good friend, uh, we were managers, district managers in the same region, but we were in different offices. And, uh, you know, we would get together at regional meetings and other corporate functions and what have you. And if there wasn't a, a dinner planned for all of us, then the two of us would go out and just have dinner together. And we used to talk about Jesus. It was great. And both of us were kind of animated about it. He was a church-going kind of guy. And so one day I was thinking, I, I personally, I kind of wanted to be sure, and I wanted him to be sure. So I asked him, so what are you depending on in order to get into heaven? And the first thing he said was God's grace. And I was just beginning to rejoice. He said, but I have to be good enough for the grace. You see, that's works plus grace. He didn't have it. We talked all for a long time. And um, um, kind of talked ourselves out. And, and um, it was at a time when, when uh, we were leaving to go to seminary in a few days. And we just sort of spent some time out there with him and some other guys that we knew. And, uh, and their families. And I left there not knowing. Where is he? He just, at that moment, would not accept the fact that it is free. That you don't have to do anything for it. I want you to look at verses 6 through 8 again. All these actions that the, Corinth, or the, the Galatians were living out, removing yourselves, deserting, turning to a different gospel, others who are terrifying you with a distorted gospel, all these are what we call present continuous actions. The original language does really cool things with verbs. Each verb has eight different forms, and they all have a very subtle different meaning. And the present tense was continuous. It's happening now. As Paul is writing these words, you can almost see him pounding on the table. No, 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 you can't go that way. It was happening even as he spoke. One comment that I read this week is that... Um, it wasn't, Paul wasn't responding to a letter. He was responding to a delegation. Now, I don't know how that happens. Um, wow, that's impressive. Did I do that? <laughs> well, Jeff's been away, you know, special time for him, so it's all good. Um, imagine Paul's dismay. No matter how he got it, was it a letter, was it a delegation? He had just left them months, maybe even just weeks. And they were removing themselves from Christ. How can that be? There is no other gospel. And these false teachers, Judaizers, false brothers, whatever you want to call them, they were like assassins. They weren't in there to draw a bead on people in the flesh. They went there 
to kill them in eternity. I want you to kind of grasp that. These guys, they were assassins there to take away the eternal life of those who have recently believed. And Paul goes on to say, let them be accursed. Now, I hope you will forgive me for putting this a little more crudely, that that word means let them be damned. And it's an imperative that he wrote. It's a command. It's must, this must happen. This is how serious it is for Paul. Let them be accursed. It's amazing. Everyone likes a good deal, right? Go out shopping for a car, house, Black Friday deals, right? It's all good, right? And when you get a good deal, what do you do? You talk about it. I do, right? Talk about it. Now, just imagine if all of those deals weren't just deals, but they were free. No money, no strings, no payback, no favors in return. Does that ever happen? Well, the biggest and most important deal of our lives is just that, free. When we believe in Jesus, he forgives all all of our sins. He gives us eternal life. He does it for free. It's like buying a, buying a brand new Corvette and somebody else paid for it. I know, you'll humor me a little bit. But it's even better than that. The Corvette is still going to break. But eternal life is with us forever. It is the only deal that really matters. Jesus, salvation by the grace that he has given and purchased by his blood. It is the only deal that ever matters. Why would anybody give that up? Why? And yet, it was happening right then. And it was continuing as Paul was writing. And it was going to continue until Paul's letter got transferred back to Galatia and circled among the churches. In those days, you didn't write multiple copies. Too expensive, took too long. You wrote one copy, and then you went around the churches, and somebody read it out loud, and they had scribes that wrote it down for the church, for other churches. And it was happening until then. How many of them were irrevocably lost? Did they all finally come back? There were people separating themselves from Christ. It was happening. It was happening then. Jesus spoke to this in, in probably a number of places, but one of them that I thought of was the parable of the sower and the seeds. And he spoke to the rocky ground. As for what was sown on rocky ground, 
This is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yes, Lord, I'm saved. Yet he has no root in himself. Why that happens, I have no clue. But endures for a while, and when tribulation and persecution arises on account of the word, the seed that was sown, immediately he falls away. And this is happening today. You're thinking, well, it'll never be me. And maybe it won't. But there are others. And it's happening in a big way among the youth of our country. Christian youth raised in the church. I read a statistic that I don't even know if I believe it, but apparently it's been verified. 92% of young people will leave the faith sometime between the, uh, the uh, age of middle school and the first year of college. Our culture is armed and ready like the Judaizers, only though it's not about Judaism. But there are assassins out there waiting to take the lives of our kids. And you and me too. There's only one thing that's going to spare them, and that is the Word of God and people like us who will embrace them and just tell them, I love you. Pick a kid. You know, there's between the, the three different ministries here on Wednesdays, there's probably over a hundred of them. Pick one. Pick them and tell them, I love you. I care about you. I'm praying for you. If you don't know their names, get them. You know, they'll be nervous. Why? Why are you speaking to me? It doesn't matter. Years later, Paul wrote to Timothy, his child in the spirit, and he said, This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, hold on to your faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith. And then he went on to name people by name that evidently both Paul and Timothy knew. Specific, specific people in that day who had done just that. Why would anyone give up the best free deal of eternity that involves eternity? There can be only one gospel. There can be only one salvation and only one Savior. Saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Only one. Let's pray. Blessed God, I think we could say this has me stirred up and concerned because it has brought to mind yet again how much danger there is out there. Used to be you became a Christian, so well, that's okay for you, but not for me. And now there are antagonists out there, assassins, that want to kill our faith. Blessed God, I pray that you would not only preserve this church and all of the people in it and all of the people that come to it, but that you would make us the preservative, the salt of the earth, 
that you would use us. We have got the best deal of all, and I'm not talking about a denomination or a, a church building or location or any of those things. It is Christ that we have. And I pray, Lord, that we would know this deal so well and rejoice in it so much that not only will we just never give it up, but that we will not stop talking about it just like that great deal that we got on Black Friday. Lord, fill us with desire for young people and for each other, making sure that there, is, there are no assassin, assassins lurking around, waiting to kill their faith. Blessed God, we thank you in Jesus' great name. Amen.